Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Quadcast. I'm John McAlevey. Hey, I've got some great news. Our podcast has been approved by the following podcast hosts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Podchaser, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. So now there is truly no excuse for you to miss another episode. In fact, it's allowed, even encouraged, for you to listen to the show on all of the platforms at least once per week. All kidding aside, I'm proud as a peacock that we have arrived. Now, for this week's show, I was thinking I would turn the tables on myself. I mean, it is only fair that I answer the two seminal questions that I ask each and every one of my guests. The first one is, who were you before your accident? Remember I talked to Scott Chesney about that pre-morbid word? Who was John McAlevey before his accident and what were some of his goals and aspirations? And number two, tell me about your story, how you got here, how the accident occurred. So, I am calling this show Me, Myself, and SCI. Pretty cute, huh? Well, as for who I was before all of this, I was lucky enough to have grown up in Short Hills, New Jersey in the 70s and 80s. And oh, do I miss the decade of decadence. I was something in the 80s, I tell you. As a kid, I always gravitated to sports. It was immediate. My beloved father was a sports enthusiast, and I wanted to be just like him. So from season to season, you could find me on a soccer field or a football field, a basketball court, or a baseball diamond. If you were to ask me what my favorite sport was, I'd ask you, what season are we in? From there, I went to Milburn High School, which year in and year out is ranked at or near the top of the Garden State's top academic high schools. Well, I am here to tell you that I had absolutely nothing to do with that. Quite the contrary, I was not your typical MHS student, which is smart as a whip. From there, I matriculated on to Providence College in Rhode Island, where I had four of the best years of my life. Not only did I learn a ton academically, but I learned life skills and along the way made amazing friendships. While in college, I began an internship at a local ABC television affiliate in downtown Providence. I worked in, you guessed it, the sports department. Well, I did that for two and a half years and had found my calling in life. So a week after graduation, while I was in Annapolis, Maryland for the graduation ceremonies of one of my high school buddies from Annapolis, I interviewed with a company called Sports News Network. SNN was based in Arlington, Virginia. And by the time I returned home three days later, had been offered the job and was driving back down to begin. Unfortunately for me, just a year later, the company went bankrupt, and so I was out of work again. Now, sports being my thing, ESPN was always the dream. And so, in June of 1992, I flew out to San Diego for a sports careers conference. Now, I had never been to San Diego, and wow, it was love at first sight. But back to the conference. There were presenters from all walks of the sports world. Folks from Nike, Reebok, Adidas, Major League Baseball, the NFL, etc. But the one that I wanted to see was ESPN. I was not alone in wanting to meet with the head of human resources from the worldwide leader in sports. You see, he got a resume from each and every one of the attendees. Luckily for me, one of the three interviews he granted went to John Joseph McAlevey. 
Now, that was June of 1992. In early August, I called Bristol, Connecticut, where ESPN is based, to see if there was any movement on the interview process. And the secretary there told me I must have done pretty well because I had jumped over about 50 people on the prospective job list. Now, that answers question number one, who I was before all of this, which leads directly into August 19th and what that day was like. I remember it being like any other day that summer, H-O-T hot. I had been working as a sales representative for Nabisco, a job that my wonderful sister Susan had gotten me while I was waiting for the ESPN gig to come through. After a long day of slinging cookies and crackers in some rather large stores in Jersey City, I returned home, got my sneaks on and my Walkman, Google it, kids, if you don't know what that is, haha, and I headed out for a nice long run through the town of Milburn. Little did I know it would wind up being the last one I would ever take. After a shower and dinner, it was off to my bedroom, which was in the basement of my parents' house. Time for some needed sleep, because I was due to train a new worker the next day. Here's where things begin to get a little foggy. I'm awakened in the middle of the night feeling very sick, so much so that I remember thinking I should go upstairs, get my parents, and make a trip to the hospital. The last thing I remember is feeling faint, so I got close to the floor, but I must have fainted because I remember wiping blood from my eye. From there, I don't recall walking up the basement steps nor falling down them, but when I come to at the bottom, I'm completely paralyzed from head to toe. As Mikey Nichols mentioned in his interview with me last week, he was completely numb immediately after his accident. And that is exactly what I felt. Just numbness. And thinking about it right now makes me feel like I could throw up. From there, folks from the great Milburn Short Hills First Aid Squad came, and they slowly and carefully put me on a surfboard, and we headed for the short ride to Overlook Hospital in Summit. It was in the emergency room where one of the nurses asked me when the last time I had gone to the bathroom was, and then I recall her inserting a catheter, and I knew that this was really happening. I was soon moved to the neuro floor where I would spend the next two months, surrounded by family and friends. And speaking of family, I have an amazing one. I want you to underline that five times. They basically dropped everything they were doing and were with me constantly. My father led the way, and my mother and sister were right behind. I could not have made it through those early days without them, and I can't thank them enough. I also had friends aplenty that would visit, but two in particular went above and beyond. Robert Galatelli was my day guy. He would come in the morning and lay in the next bed next to me and watch television with me and try to keep me sane. And Jamie Paget would come after work and spend hours making me feel good about myself, as well as treating me to some wonderful dinners. I love them like family and appreciate all they did and still do for me. I had surgery after the swelling subsided, which lasted about six hours, and I waited for it to heal enough to be cleared to start therapy. Now, luckily for me, as these days went by, I started to regain not only feeling, but also movement in all of my extremities. It began on my toes and worked its way up. I remember wiggling my toes a thousand times a day or shrugging my shoulders a thousand more. Basically, anything that moved, I was going to hammer just to try and capitalize on what was still there. 
And then the call came and a bed was ready for me at Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation in West Orange, New Jersey. Enough of my bloviating. We've now reached the guest portion of the show. Today, I'm excited to speak with two women that I feel were extremely responsible for helping to begin to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, my first PT and OT at Kessler. When we come back from the break, we'll start in Gym A with physical therapy and my pal Hillary. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin, the radio play-by-play announcer for the New Jersey Devils. If you like what you're hearing from John McAlevey on today's show, then you'll want to check out more Sports Now's podcast. You know, John's a huge sports fan, and each week he joins me and Steve Titchener for a spirited roundtable discussion on what's going on in sports on both sides of the Hudson. Our podcast can be heard at moresportsnow.com, but also on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeart. I hope you'll check us out. And welcome back to the show. Now, in my rather long introduction, I had brought us right up to the point where I was just admitted to Kessler and about to begin therapy. So without further ado, it is my honor and pleasure to introduce you to my first and favorite PT, Miss Hillary Frasinski. Hillary, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, John. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine right out of the gates? Has it really been almost 28 years? I can't believe it. I was uh, just trying to think, how old were we when we met? Yeah, doing that math. We should right. we should know exactly how old we were because <laughs> little little did we know at the time. But you and I both share a birthday. Is that the craziest thing? It really is. Oh, and and the way we figured it out, you know, I think we were we were outside. I was having a hard day, and we were talking about birthdays coming up because it was it was late November when I was first admitted. And um, I think my friend Robert was with us and he said, well, at least you have a birthday coming up. And I think you said, yeah, I think I do too. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then we kind of said, oh yeah, well, mine's in January. And and then we just realized, and and I didn't believe you. I said, go get your birth certificate. You did. My li- I went and got my license. Go get your driver's license. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Can you imagine? That was like destiny that we were thrown together in this crazy way. I felt like that. Why don't you tell us, how did you decide that physical therapy was the route that you were going to go? And then, uh, and where did you study and train along the way before you got your start at Kessler? Hmm. Uh, I always knew I wanted to go into some helping profession and I was throwing around nursing, uh, med school. And since I didn't think I'd get into med school, I uh, looked into physical therapy. And then I just decided right then and there that that's what I was going to do. And I just did it. And I went to Northeastern University in Boston. Uh, It was a five-year program back then. Um, And then the rest is history. I came back and my first job was Kessler Institute. And I worked up in Saddlebrook for the year and then in uh, West Orange when I met you. Unbelievable. Hillary, since this since the subject of this episode of the quadcast is I have it titled Me, Myself and SCI. What a <laughs> jerk, right? Oh boy. Can you please could you please tell our listeners, other than timelessly handsome, what were your first impressions of little old me when you walked into room one oh four in late November nineteen ninety two? Um, well, I'm really excited because you always hear about um, any new patient that's coming onto your caseload and to see that you were the same age as me um, and you had been at Overlook, which is kind of like my stomping grounds when I was young too. Um, 
I was just really interested to meet you. And then I came down there and even though you were having a rough time of it, we hit it off right away. And it was really a pleasure to know you and your family and you had such a large support system. I'll never forget how many friends you had and how many cards you had and well-wishers. Yeah. That's yeah. Sure. Funny story. Right before you got there, um, I was getting dressed and the orderly that was working with me, he um, he pulled the curtain because we were in, there were two people in the room and my, my dear roommate at the time, Mario Cortese, who is no longer with us, unfortunately, oh, yeah. they pulled the curtain so that uh, Ralph could get me dressed. And I guess I gave him a look like when he pulled the curtain, like, hey, what's going on here? And he said, you know, the reason <laughs> I pull this curtain is so that they don't see me hit you behind here. <laughs> And then he paused for like three seconds and then let out this crazy laugh. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I in for here? <laughs> yeah. But then but then you swooped into the room. We hadn't met yet. And I had just come from Overlook, as you mentioned, the acute care hospital, where anytime they were going to move me for any reason, there would be like six people that would surround the bed and each person would grab a sheet, a, a part of the sheet, so as not to <laughs> drop me. Okay. So that mm -hmm. when you you know, bounced in the room, this, this young waif, this adorable girl and said, all right, come on, I'm going to get you out of the bed and put you in the wheelchair. I was like, wait a minute, where are the five other people? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And Who you were needs like, them? Yeah. You were like, no, we're going to do this. And I was like, really? <laughs> I couldn't believe I looked believe at some it. of the biggest people in my life there at Kessler. It's kind of crazy yeah, how I'm you sure, can learn how to do that. I'm sure you did. And I, and I have to ask, I don't know if this is one of the questions that I have asked you before, but was it under your rules that I was put in a manual wheelchair so as to walk myself <laughs> down to therapy each and every day? Because my compatriots there were in these really cool power chairs and they blew by me in the hallway. Was that it's you? Not, I never knew who that was. Do you think that was maybe Dr. Kirschblum? Do you think yeah. so? <laughs> I think so. I don't think so. But maybe there was a method uh, to that madness because it made me strengthen my legs. Sure did. And you had freedom in your legs, so you should be doing that. I did. I did. But mm -hmm. yeah, I can remember looking around, seeing everybody whizzing by me saying, hey, come on. <laughs> I was like dead tired by the time I got into the PT gym. It was really far, right? Oh, it was very far. And it seemed like forever when you were... Uh, you know, incapacitated in that respect. <laughs> Especially when you're looking forward to a little lunch. Yes. Yes. Now, Hillary, do you remember uh, I picked as the theme song for my show here, Black Gold? Do you kind of remember that back in the day? I do. I remember it when I when I heard it uh, on your first quadcast. I um I knew about it. I didn't know that was the song that was playing, though, when you entered Isn't Kessler's PT gym. Amazing. It, Amazing. It really was. And I'll tell our listeners another crazy story is uh, by the time I made it down walking myself to uh, to Jim A that first day, you were working with um, like two or three other people. So I was told, OK, just go and wait over there by the mat. She'll be with you shortly. And right in front of me were like two 80 year old stroke patients who were playing tennis with a balloon. <laughs> Okay. And I'm watching this. And with each one of their hits, swats of the balloon, I could hear like their diapers crinkling. And I thought, oh, dear Lord, we're not in Kansas anymore. Oh. Yeah. This was, 
this was going to be it was a big mix yeah this was going to be a heavy lift and and i really kind of didn't know what i was in for but uh let me ask you since you had been at kessler at that point did you work with all types of spinal cord injured folks from paraplegics to complete quads and then you know folks like me central cord incomplete injuries I did. I did. The Kesslers are kind of split up into diagnosis. Um, you know, Saddlebrook has strokes and some older um, folks. And um, Kessler West Orange was uh, pretty much spinal cords and amputees. And I uh, worked and strokes and hip replacements, you name it. Um, but I worked with everyone. It, they mixed it up for you. Um, and of course, you know, the spinal cord patients, more severe, um, stayed a little longer than some of the other patients, but you definitely uh, were a big mix. Right before you came, uh, one of my other favorite patients, uh, her name was Sue. She had sustained the same injury as you, so I was well-versed on the central cord syndrome. You know something? I remember that now, and I remember uh, you pointing Sue out to me. She was walking through the rotunda one day, and I thought, oh my gosh, if I could just be like that. I would sign up for that in a, in a hurry because she, I remember she had a, a neck brace on at the time, but she was walking and, and she seemed to be doing really well. Yeah, I, rem I remember that. Was she one of the first central cords that you had? She really was. Um, and I don't know if you, if you mentioned that you had a halo on when you got there. Right. Oh man, I had the, I had the Miami. I, it was funny. I had all these different oh, the Miami these it. different collars. They were all like different states and places. And I was like, "Hey, I'm in the Miami J now, but why, I can't get to visit Miami. I got to wear a collar instead." Right. Oh, you were was, wearing that collar. Yeah, it was crazy. I was wearing that, and then I had another one. I forget. Uh, it had another name to it that uh, that uh, was another city or a state or something like that. I don't really recall what that one was, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I do. Philadelphia. Believe, I, think I think it may have been. Yes. <laughs> I think it may have been. I have to tell you that um, for all the listeners out there, what made Hillary such an amazing PT was that she could feel your pain. I mean, I could see when I was having a rough day, you know, you weren't having such a great day. And and one thing that uh, that I definitely subscribe to is that sometimes laughter is the best medicine. And you know, I don't know whether people were looking at us over at the mat, but we seem to be laughing all the time. Do you remember that? Oh, yes, I do. We had everybody laughing. Yeah, we certainly <laughs> did. And it, it was like... And you got along with everyone, so... I almost felt like, you know, if I wasn't going to laugh at that point, I'd be crying because it was such a... Uh, such a crazy time. I mean, there I was 24 years old and in the prime of my life. And now I'm, you know, hanging around with people playing badminton with a balloon. And it was like, you know, where do we go from here? But I, I think the fact that we tried to make it light. I mean, when, when it was time to work out, we worked out hard. I know that. Sure did. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, making light of certain things like, do you recall the nickname that I gave myself? Uh, would that be Johnny Delt? <laughs> yes, it was. It was Johnny Delt. Oh, gosh. I couldn't really... Well, you know, as far as central cords, you know, your upper body, your arms, hands, and fingers really don't seem to work all that well. And I was having a rough time. And I started being able to really shrug my shoulders. So that was like big news. So That was big news. I could remember coming in and saying, hey, look, it's Johnny Delt. And I was shrugging my shoulders. 
<laughs> trying to lift your shoulder, lift your arms. I, I really and truly think that it was stuff like that 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 got me through, you know, some of the rough days that uh, that were were prevalent. I mean, they were all the time. It was rough times. Yes. Well, that was your answer too. So you know, you did it well. And I know that there were so many um, great girls and guys that you worked with up there. Uh, it was funny for me because being 24 at the time and most of the other PTs and OTs were right around our age. So, and most of them were women. And it was like, my friends would come up and say, Hey, John, like you're hanging out in a sorority here. I mean, this is great. <laughs> and it was, it was nuts. And, and I can recall, uh, everybody worked so well as a team. You had you had a real good group there. Uh, I know that when maybe somebody was on vacation and you would pick up another patient, uh, it just sort of seemed to flow. Was that was that hard when you had to pick up new patients? No, it was always interesting to pick up new patients. You know, everybody like I, everybody was a big family, like you were saying. It was kind of a magical kind of place. I thought I still remember it. You know, yeah, so well. All the energy everybody had, and all the the good hearts and that were around that place. And how many years did you work at Kessler? I've only worked there three years total. Three years total. Yes. Yes, yes. I found myself getting very attached to my patients. Yeah. It was really, it was hard. I could see how that happens. I mean, you, listen, there's people that they're at this vulnerable stage in their life and they're like reaching out for a, a life raft. And oftentimes it's you guys and you hear a lot of what's ailing. I mean, I'm sure I bent your ears off with complaining and and no. commiserating and and uh, probably I'm probably one of the reasons why you had to get the heck out of there because you couldn't deal with <laughs> folks like me all the time. It was not that at all, but um, you know, you just you're so kind of enmeshed in the family dynamics, and you know, you're doing family trainings, you're visiting people's homes, you're doing all sorts of things, so you really do get involved and. Uh, and thank God, because I'm a human, right? Yes. But, um, yeah, no it was doubt. something. So now, <laughs> why don't we sort of fast forward to today? I know you said you did three years at Kessler. What have you been doing since? And please tell um, our listeners about your exciting company that you have going now that we have uh, a commercial for that you're going to hear right after this interview. You're the best, John. Um so I went on to UMDNJ, uh, where I enjoyed working with trauma patients, and um, hand therapy was kind of my interest for about seven years. And then I had two children and <clears throat> kind of dropped out with stay-at-home mom for two years. And then I went back into the school system and worked with children. And I've been doing that for thir 14 years now. 14 years now. I know. I Look know. So you. I work for a, a school district. I didn't know therapists could work in schools. Mm -hmm. So uh, then once I found my niche, I just did that. And then there was a big need uh, that Hunter County was underserved. So um, we started our own PTOT speech uh, pediatric center in Bayonne. And now we have our second in Essex County in West Orange. So we see kids from zero to 21 years old. Wow. So you are still busy, busy, busy. Oh, yes. Busier than ever. But you know what? I learn something new every single day. So it's pretty exciting. I oh, still have that field. Yeah. That's awesome. And as busy as you are, how are things now um, with the world being crazy with this 
COVID-19 coronavirus, how has that sort of eaten into your busy schedule? Eaten would be uh, a nice word. <laughs> I'm out of business. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for since uh, school closed pretty much and since school's not opening anytime soon, uh, we're having a rough start getting back to it. Um, however, we're getting some inquiries. We've been doing telehealth um, when we po- ever possibly can. Um, and some kids are starting uh, to talk about coming back to the clinic. So we have, uh, you know, cleaned everything and we'll continue to do so. Mm-hmm. So um, that's it. I'm hoping for a big um, back to business. That'd be great. Point. Has the governor given you a date as to when are you are you one of these non-essential things? I mean, there's there's a difference between the essentials and the non-essentials. Where do you all fit into that? PT has been considered essential through the whole thing. Um, however, it was just mostly up to patient comfort levels and most people stayed home. So I'm pretty sure everybody took a big hit, but the therapists were out there working and um, getting people back, people who just had surgeries, mm-hmm. uh, people in pain. So, you know, I think there's an essential part to it. There's no doubt. Well, well, there was you were essential to helping to get me back together again all those years oh. <laughs> ago. Uh, you know, I, I cannot thank you enough, not only for, for the work you did on me physical therapy wise, but for your friendship and still uh, that goes on nowadays, Hillary. Again, thank you for carving out some time for us today. And uh, we hopefully will have you on again in the future. Thanks, John. Uh, it's always good to talk to you. Yes. Keep up with your good work. You're doing a great job. Thank you very much. And when we You're come welcome. back, we're going to shuffle our way across the hallway to the occupational therapy gym, <laughs> where my good friend Dawn Texas will join us. That comes right after the break. Infinite Therapy Solutions is a pediatric therapy clinic providing services in Hudson and Essex counties for five years. If your child is having difficulty with speech, motor skills, behavioral triggers, or physical movement, you can count on their exceptional therapists for help. Infinite Therapy Solutions provides physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, and behavioral therapy to children ages 0 to 21. Come to a warm, professional clinic to receive the best care to help your child achieve their highest potential. My friend Hillary would be happy to answer any questions for you at 201-455-3144. They take insurances, so call to inquire. There are two locations in West Orange and Bayonne. Check out their website at infinitetherapysolutions.org. And welcome back to the Quadcast. I'm John McAlevey. That was a treat catching up with my dear friend Hillary, and I look forward to doing the same right now with another great friend and my first occupational therapist at Kessler, Mrs. Dawn Texas. Dawn, thank you and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. This is a pleasure. Oh, great. Well, in this week's episode, I'm telling our listeners all about me and my situation. And as my first OT, if you can please remember, tell everyone a little bit about what you found with me on day one, and please be nice. Well, it's very easy to be nice about you, John. Um, So again, this is going back quite a few years. Yes, it is. From where we are right now. Um, But you you were a memorable patient um, from a lot of patients that I had worked with over the years, especially at Kessler. I do remember going to your room um, that first day after you were admitted. And your family was there, your mom, your dad, 
your sister, and you were, besides being a very handsome young man, um, definitely could see the concern in your eyes and the uncertainty, but yet you were a very welcoming and pleasant, sociable young gentleman. So that made it very easy to kind of break the ice with you. Um, I know your mom and your dad were very concerned and everyone is putting on a very strong face to um, make this a, an e easy situation for you to start to encounter. Um, but, it, you know, overall, in meeting you, I knew that this was going to be a great working relationship with no you. Doubt. And I, I just had good feelings right from the beginning. Because basically, not everyone has the kind of support that you had right from the beginning, mm -hmm. um, coming from both your family and your large group of friends, which is a wonderful sight to see. And that makes the world of difference with um, people's recovery. Absolutely. Having, having that support. There's no and doubt. Having, yes, and having that love. So it was going to be great right from the start, I could tell. That's great. And by the way, the check is in the mail for the for the nice comments, by the way. <laughs> but talk to me about occupational therapy. I had zero idea what that was when I first got there. I had never really even heard of it. So for our listeners who all know what physical therapy is, can you tell us a little bit about what occupational therapy is? Well, usually when people hear occupational therapy, they all think that I get job for them, which in a way, it's kind of funny because occupational, what we refer to with that is that we are looking at what role in your life were you performing before this injury or illness or incident? So we're looking at truly the occupation that we want to get you back to performing to the best of your abilities with the situation currently at hand. So the, the term occupational therapy refers to that. But a lot of people do think that we are employers to get you jobs in life. <laughs> and that obviously is not what we are doing. Right. So, um, so it can be a little, it can be a little um, misleading. But ultimately, at the end, you know, we get you back to doing what you can do. Absolutely. Now, before working with me, uh, had you had much uh, experience working with folks that were central cord syndrome patients? Um, I have to say, I don't recall the specific number, but I have had central cord patients. They are not as common. Um, usually we see more, you know, quadriplegic or paraplegic patients, but there are a numerous numerous amounts of uh, central core patients out there. I have had a few prior to uh, working with you. Okay. And how about, you know, my biggest problem is that I'm stiff and tight all the time. I mean, I, I know it's called tone and, and it's hard to explain exactly what it is, but when you work with someone who is so stiff and so tight, what are some of the ways you try to go to overcome that? Well, usually with the tone, it's the, the reflexes um, within the spinal cord have been interrupted. So the, the muscles and the nerve impulses do not know how to relax. And so the, the muscles are always in a state of excitability. So they're, the tension is very tight. So with when you have the hypertonicity, spasticity, obviously the doctors work from the medical aspect of it with medication. 
they may do injections to um, help with that. Sometimes they do um, Botox injections, and that is all going to be based on you know your medical situation stability and what the doctor's experience is and research with that, with the type of injury that you have. Regarding therapy, what we do, um, we do a lot of neurodevelopmental techniques. We do a lot of relaxation and inhibition techniques to help to try and relax the tone to be able to prevent any kind of contractures at major joints, like in the elbows or the wrists or mm -hmm. the fingers. Um, so you're able to try and um, maintain that joint integrity to prevent any kind of contractures. So you are able to perform functional tasks. Yes. And of the tasks that yeah. you had me performing uh, back in the day, one of the ones that was my funnest was when you had me um, trying to bake cookies and whatnot. Do you remember that back in the kitchen that you had? Baking the cookies. That was fun. And that, but that obviously we need to let your listeners know that wasn't something that happened in the beginning. That was as you were a little further along, um, had a little more strength <laughs> yes. and a little more tolerance to therapy. That wouldn't be something we would start right out of the gate. No, but, no, not at all. Not but at those all. are always, those are always the pleasurable tasks because at the end we get to eat the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh boy. I didn't know what I was doing. I really didn't. Dawn, one of the, one of the other hats that you wore when you worked at Kessler was that of a driving instructor. First of all, how did that come about? And do you have any funny stories you can share with us? Okay. Well, I was always interested in you know, occupational therapy has so many avenues that you could go towards to specialize in. Um, besides doing just regular routine um, occupational therapy, I also did vision therapy to work with patients, um, whether it be just for walking or dressing, but also related to driving. So that had also led me to wanting to be a driving instructor because not only for you know, spinal cord injury clients, but also for people who suffered strokes or amputations or head injuries, to do the adaptive driving, to be able to get people to be as functional as possible and be able to get to those jobs that maybe they were unable to get to because of transportation. So functionally, we might have regained their independence to the maximum level. But the issue of then getting to their jobs was an issue. So I would do driving instruction in the automobiles, the cars, and we had another um, driving specialist who did the higher level driving evaluations in our adapted vans, which usually the adapted vans we do use for more of the higher level um, spinal cord injuries because they require more of those adaptations. I did the evaluations in the cars, um, and that was that was fun. Um, one, one story that I will share, and probably not the highlight of my driving career with um, clients. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this one, but tell everybody. But we also have a little humility in our life, and you have to be able to laugh. Um, it was actually on Halloween, so the daylight was much shorter, uh, starting to get dark around 4.15ish or so here in New Jersey. And I was with a high-profile client that we had at Kessler. And 
this client and myself were actually dressed in costumes for Halloween. (laughs) And then the driving evaluations usually last about 45 minutes to get a true feel of the person's um, tolerance and stamina and equipment that they would need in the car. And so both of us are dressed in costume in a vehicle that says student driver, Kessler Institute. And this person was at the point that we needed to trial going out on more highways, not just a static, sterile environment. So we needed something a little more dynamic. So we ended up going out on Route 280, if you're familiar with New Jersey, a very busy road. Sure. And this client that I was with was very talkative, as I am as well. And I always take great um, pleasure in really knowing my, my clients And so we got so deep into conversation, although I'm still assessing and evaluating at every moment, we got so deep into conversation, we missed the turn. (laughs) Now we are at a distance and in a town that I was not familiar with. So here we are now. It's starting to get dark. We literally had to find a gas station to get directions back to Kessler Institute. Oh, geez. Here you are (laughs) out with the golden goose. Oh, in costume, so not my finest moment. And the funny part about it is when you think about technology now and how we all take everything for granted with computers and laptops and Zoom and cell phones, at this point in time, cell phones were not in vehicles, yes. nor did we really have cell phones to be carrying around. It was more for emergency situations. Mm-hmm. So there was not a cell phone in the car. So because of this situation, by the time I got back to Kessler, it was already starting to get dark. Right. I missed, I missed my afternoon clients because we were out for a good almost two hours trying to get back to where we wanted to be. What a great story. Oh, jeez. Since, since that time, cell phones were in the driving instructor cars. <laughs> Unbelievable. What a great story. Well, I, I have to tell everybody that Dawn and I have had such a great relationship from from day one that she has treated me for years here at my home uh, with good prolonged stretches to try and keep my um, you know, stability in my arms and keep my mobility, which has been great. And, and we've gotten to the point where she has felt comfortable letting me stay at home with her boys, uh, as a babysitter when they were younger, uh, when she went out for, um, for exercise, I know, and, and getting back to, um, weaving Hillary into this, this circle is she and I share a birthday together and Dawn's son, Zachary also is a January 8th baby. So it's a tangled web we have here. Yes, it was meant to be. It was meant to be. So Dawn, now, yeah, and in um, in conclusion, why don't you tell everybody what you're doing now? I know after you left Kessler, uh, you started working. Um, I know right now you're at Pine Acres Rehabilitation and Nursing Center. Tell us a little a little bit about that and how that's going. Okay, so yes, after I left Kessler, I just needed a little more flexibility. I was at Kessler for 14 and a half years. Um, so I'm currently now at, John had mentioned, Pine Acres. It is a subacute slash long-term care facility. We treat mainly um, adult and senior population. Um, I started there as the lead occupational therapist for our rehab department. And I am currently the director of rehab there now for the past two years. And it's going really well. It's very busy. It's been challenging for the past uh, three months with the COVID virus, but uh, we did a great, great job there. 
Um, I myself, unfortunately, was afflicted with COVID. I actually was out of work for five weeks. I pretty much had every symptom you can possibly have, but I wanted to make sure that I was in the best shape I can be in to go back and provide the care that we really needed to um, give to our residents there. And I'm happy to say that we did a great, great job and um, did not lose many of our residents. I mean, one resident lost is one too many, but um, we continue to strive and give quality care there. And majority of our residents have all recovered and it looks like things are starting to move in the right direction. So we never give up on anyone, regardless of what the diagnoses are, whether it's spinal cord in injury, Alzheimer's, CVAs, amputees, everyone's life makes a big difference. And it just makes me happy to be part of these um, residents' lives and patients' lives to be able to get them back to living a great quality of life and be with their family. Absolutely. And Dawn, I want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank you for um, working with me from day one and and taking a scared um, young man who was at the prime of his life and then all of a sudden had this tragedy uh, for, for sticking in there with me through good days and bad and also for your friendship through these last, I hate to say it's going to be 28 years coming up in August uh, for, for sticking with me and being, you know, not only a friend, but a confidant, uh, up until this day. And I'm so glad to hear that you are well again and, you know, do still doing what you're doing. So again, thank you for coming on. No, no problem, John. It's a pleasure. And, you know, it's very easy to be your therapist, to be your friend. And we've got a great relationship and, you know, I couldn't ask for anything better than that. And that trip down memory lane was a special one for me. Thanks once again to my dynamic duo, P.T. Hillary Frizinski, for getting me back on my feet again, firm and strong, and O.T. Dawn Texas for guiding me through once taken for granted tasks such as dressing and feeding myself. Stellar job mixing the show again, Chris Parapesco from Sound Lounge in New York City. Much obliged, my friend. And remember, the Quadcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Podchaser, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you like what you're hearing, let a friend know about us. We can build this audience two ears at a time. As of this recording, I do not have a committed guest for my next show, although I do have a few folks in mind, so you'll have to check back in next week to see who it might be. Once again, I'm John McAlevey, and I thank you for your time. I don't care about no wheelchair. I got so much left to do with my life.